0: listener production.
1: Please leave your message after the tone. Why am I jealous of my ex? I am so stressed all the time. How do I get into a routine? Is TikTok making me anxious?
0: I think I'm being manipulated. Someone told me you could live with half a brain. This is Do You Fucking Mind? Mindset Hacks for a Badass Life. Hosted by me, Alexis Fernandez. Welcome to the podcast of today. I'm so excited for today's podcast episode. I've got someone on. Her name's Sabrina Zohar. She's a fucking legend. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. I'm so fucking excited to be here. I'm so, oh, okay. So basically, if you don't already follow Sabrina, especially on TikTok, she's got such a good TikTok account. She's got a podcast called Do the Work. And the tips that she gives around dating and relationships is honestly, I align very heavily with a lot of what you say. I was on such a deep stalk on your TikTok. You know, when you just get like so –
1: I was like, oh, my God, yes, this
0: is so good. So definitely go check her out. But I'll let you do your introduction and how you got to where you are and I'd love for you to even
1: like touch on – how you started the TikTok and the podcast, because my audience loves that shit. Totally. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited. And I'm glad that this serendipitously worked out because we're so in alignment. So it's just awesome to talk to more like-minded babes that are like doing something in the world that's actually impacting other people. So for that, I appreciate this. I love that. Um, so yes, yeah, so my name is Sabrina Zohar. Um, born and raised in Florida, moved to New York when I was 18 to be an actor. So kind of similar story to you, like thought that's what <laughs> I wanted that. to be and thought, oh, I'm just going to play a part and be somebody else. And I think... About, like, three years in, I was like, I hate this. Like, I don't want to do this. This isn't my passion. I was in acting school and just, like, hated the the grind. Started working in fashion. Mm. Uh, My mom got sick in 2017. So she went to the doctor with a headache, and they found six brain aneurysms and two dissections of the neck. Oh my god! Yeah, I was gonna say you know about the brain. Yeah, it was gnarly, and so bad. That's horrible. Yeah, so she was like a china doll. Like we couldn't touch her. She couldn't like move. And so in that time, I was miserable with my career. I had recently just started like my healing journey, if you will. Like I cut a pack. I was a pack a day smoker. I was on. Uh, I tried, I think, eight different antidepressants, like six different uh, anti-anxiety medications all at the same time. Uh, Mood stabilizer, Klonopin, Effexor, Xanax, Welbutrin, like you name it, I was on it. And one day I was just like, I'm fucking done. So I quit that, I quit smoking, I went paleo, started working out and like completely changed my life. And then like five months later, my mom found out she was sick. So it was like succinct Mm. everything. But within that bullshit and all that stuff that happened, I created my clothing line software. Um, The day after she had her successful surgery, I was like, you know what, let's try it. I wanted to do something that gave back to the community and was something that my heart was in and so that was in tw- end of 2017 which is also when I met my ex and so he's an important part of my journey and my story but he was the person that I thought like was it you know the one that you're just mm-hmm. like this is the one I have been waiting my entire life for this person and at that time he broke up with me after like two months and I found out he had a girlfriend two weeks later it was like that whole thing Ugh dove into yep. my, like, my mom had her whole thing. Then when she was okay, I started the company, he and I started dating. I had the worst year and a half relationship I've ever experienced. But in that, I also found my strength. And so like when we broke up and the end of that narcissistic relationship, I was literally a shell of a human. And so I started therapy. I started ketamine treatments. I started tapping. I started meditation. Like I tried every modality and I was so dedicated to understanding one, like, how is this helping? Why is this helping? Mm. What is this doing? You know, like really getting how this is impacting our body. And just cultivating a self-awareness because for me personally, I was the poster child for our anxious attachment style. And so like, Mm -hmm. I know we're going to talk more about that today, but attachment style is pretty much overarching or just like the way that you attach to people. You learn that in your childhood, how you attach to your parents, you know, teaches you pretty much how you're going to have relationships. And I had an inconsistent father, people-pleasing mother, narcissistic father. And I was so anxious. I literally couldn't sit still. I couldn't function. I couldn't take care of myself and Mm. it was affecting everybody. And so in that journey, I really dove in. And then through the, the, when COVID hit, I started doing podcasts and panels and like really started to find my voice. I was actually watching a video the other day from my first like software video that I made during COVID of like our About Us. And I'm very like mousy and just kind of sitting there, you know, just like, oh, okay, wow. It's so,
0: yeah, it's so weird to take a look at your old self. I love doing that because it's, it's instead of
1: being like, oh, cringe, it's like, wow, look at, look at all the growth I've had since then. Oh, Even watching like you, you know how TikTok will do this time last year on this day. Mm. Even watching old stuff and you're like, Wow, I can't believe I even fucking said that. So it's fun to watch the evolution and growth. But I just started to really find my own voice and start to find who I was. And like, I was diving into really understanding myself, moved to LA, started doing more podcasts, more panels. And then my clothing line just started to tank, you know, post COVID, we went up. And then after it was like down, down, down. And I was supposed to be on Shark Tank 2022. And they sent me home on set, like my whole world crumbled. And in that time is when I started dating this avoidant guy. This was uh, September, 2022 and so to bring us mm-hmm. kind of back to how all of this started my friend was over and she's like you know what you give really great advice like you work with people they're like people were coming to me asking to coach with me just for business and life and blah blah blah, blah. and she was like i think you should start a tiktok and i was like fuck it i hate this but i'll do it and i like threw a video up and then it just like took a minute and then like two months later started blowing up it grew 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 and my dog passed away like my whole entire life came to shit shark tank sent me home the my business was tanking tiktok had just started growing so it wasn't anything the dude was being a jerk my dog had just died like my life was kind of at its just shit and mm-hmm. I think when all of that happened, this was exactly like a year and two months ago, if you will. Um, that was like the start of my journey of really starting to look and be like, okay, you've done so much. You've done all of this work. And now those coping mechanisms and those things that you had, like your dog and your business and all of those things are now gone. What the fuck are you going to do with it? And I started the TikTok. I started continuing it. The podcast started in February of last year. And it's just, it's crazy to see the growth. And it was really just me saying, fuck it. I'll try it and see what happens. And like not attaching to any outcomes and really just being okay with my life that I thought I had that I thought was perfect is gone and my dog and everything. So now how much worse can it get? Mm. you know what I mean? It was like, yeah, I've eaten shit. It's like, I almost lost my mom. I wasn't talking to my dad. It was like my family were having trouble. I was like, what, what else? I may as well put myself out there. And in doing that, I started totally, totally, kind of similar to you where you're like, you're like, let me try something different. And in that, I'm sure you can relate where like you find this community that you had no idea existed. Yeah. And I
0: feel like sometimes it does require, it almost requires you hitting a place where it feels like rock bottom because it's a really good area to pause you know, like otherwise, I think a lot of the time we're just like on this like hamster wheel, being like, "Well, this is falling apart, but this isn't." And I can, I'm clinging, I'm clinging, I'm clinging. Sometimes the people that have these big transformative journeys are the ones that kind of reached a point where they're like, "This, I can't go on any further. All these things have fallen apart. Maybe it's time to kind of reassess and and see what what I can do differently." And that's what obviously happened for you, happened for me. So many people that I've spoken to,
1: it's it takes often that to change. My mama always says, she's like, when you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, you're going to make a change. And it just got to that point where I was just so tired of my own bullshit. Like there's Mm. only so many times you can call your friends and go, that guy's an asshole. That guy did this. That guy did that. Before you have to stop and look and say, what is my part in this? I can't, my sister used to say that you're the common denominator. And I was like, you don't get it. You've been married for 15 years. And it's like, she was right. You know, like,
0: yeah. And it's crazy. It's crazy because you uh, initially you are in that mindset, especially like with heartbreaks and breakups. When I was going through my heartbreak, I genuinely believed that people had no idea what I was going through. And when they would be like, you will get over it, I would say, well, your breakup obviously was not what mine is because I will never. <laughs> like I'm such a victim. I'm like, fuck off, cunt. Like of course you uh-huh. get over it.
1: <laughs> yeah, you're like, is that what the fucking books tell you to tell me? Because it's like, yeah, you think we think we're yeah. such snowflakes. Like – Mm. And in reality too, we have to remember, like, I know we hear older generations say this, like when I talk to my mom and she's like, I'm sorry, do you think when I married your father, anyone was talking about narcissism? She's like, nobody Mm. said that. What they talked about was your husband's unhelp at like not happy. What are you doing wrong? You're not keeping him happy. Now we have all of this literature and knowledge. Now, albeit a lot of it's garbage and clickbait and it's not great for your Mm. mental health. But nonetheless, we have the opportunities to say, wait a minute, like, I didn't even know, I don't know about you, but like when my breakup happened and I'm like, I didn't know, anxious, attacher, avoidant, all of those things. I was like, all I knew was this literally feels like I'm being skinned alive and roasted over a fire. That's how painful and gut wrenching it felt. So you do feel like a snowflake, but I want mm. everybody that's ever listening to really understand, like there is a community of people out there struggling in the same ways as you are. It just takes a certain amount of vulnerability and trust to be able to share that with other people so that you can bring it back to you and realize yeah, you're not so alone. That's so true.
0: And I feel like when it comes to vulnerability, people have such a fear, especially when you've been hurt. I've been I first person to admit that that's me in the past, but such a fear around vulnerability. But the, what I think a lot of people don't realize is that vulnerability is what require, what is required for a proper connection to actually meet someone properly. But- if you're not vulnerable, it doesn't stop you from getting hurt. You get just as hurt, if not more hurt by not being vulnerable. We think if I'm not vulnerable, my walls are up, I can't get hurt. You still fall in love. You still catch feelings for somebody. And often because you're not vulnerable, you don't express yourself the way you wish you had expressed yourself. You don't, you leave things left unsaid. There's so much that I think we need to look at vulnerability as – I look at it now as the biggest time saver of
1: my life. <laughs> Superpower. Like super – fun. if you can be – difference between vulnerability and trauma dumping. Like we oh, don't yeah. need a second date to be – or like a first or second date for you to be talking about like your childhood traumas. It's like I get that question all the time. Know. Like when should I tell somebody I'm anxiously attached? It's like why are you self-identifying? We don't need to do that. You don't have to mm. broadcast like – trust first off. If you – if people out there don't think that when you go on a date, people can pick up on that, like if you don't think that someone can feel your anxiety – you're gravely mistaken. Like it mm-hmm. seeps out in different ways. We just don't see it. But it's funny, to your point, my I was talking to my client this morning and she said, you know, for so long, I've been wearing a mask, you know, trying to be what everybody, every guy wants me to be. And so then mm-hmm. when I'm, you know, then when it doesn't work out, I'm gutted and I'm devastated. And we were talking and we finally got down to it where I was like, I understand that you see that as a protective mechanism. Let me pretend, let me like put this wall up and pretend to be this. I said, but mm-hmm. when you get rejected rejected in quotes when you have somebody that doesn't just isn't picking up what you're putting down like that's it when you have somebody Mm -hmm. that's just not doing that with you if you're actually yourself and you're putting your dick on the table you're just like hey i tried right at least I tried. I did everything I could. And if you don't like me for me, I did my best. But when you show up as somebody else and you're playing this facade or playing the cool girl, then what happens is like, yes, not only do you get hurt and then you're filled with the like, what ifs and I should haves, and but he didn't really get to know me. You didn't give me a chance. Yeah. And it's like, no, you didn't show up authentically as yourself to allow people to get to know you in that way. And that is something that you have to learn. It's not that other people need to give you that chance.
0: Oh, that's so, yeah, 100%. I agree with that so much. And the funny thing is like when we want someone to like us, we will – and this happens when you've got a crush, especially when you've got a crush, it kind of – you freeze up, you don't know how to behave, you're trying to – you want to behave how, how you think they want you to behave – you're speaking differently, you're behaving differently because you're trying to increase the chances that this person will like you. But all you're doing is delaying the inevitable. And the inevitable is that eventually they're going to get to know the real you. If they fall in love with the fake you, disaster, because then when's the real you're going to come out? And if they, if they don't fall in love with the fake you, then you never gave them the chance to see the real you. And I used to like trip up and get so nervous when I had a crush on someone. Like my funniness would go out the window. I wasn't funny anymore. Yeah. I, not, like I just I just choke and it was honestly the worst. And when I finally learned that you just like it sounds so cliché, but you've just got to like be comfortable in your own skin. It sounds so like lame and cliché, but that's what it comes down to it's as
1: cliche as it is it's like that's where we look and go but there's validity right you know these cliche sayings Mm. like don't come from Mm. nowhere it comes from the fact that like a lot of people have experienced that because i'm the same like for so many years i thought like i needed to be this girl and like play the cool girl she doesn't exist the cool girl is she exists in a fantasy land but she's not actually Mm. a real human because all of us have needs All of us have wants and all of us have desires. And for a long time, I was the same. I would always mold and manipulate and change who I was. And then when it doesn't work out, when I actually peeled back the layers, I wasn't even upset with the person. I was more upset with myself. Upset with myself that mm. I allowed this, that I hid, that I, I self-abandoned so heavily who I actually am to get someone else to like me that I was i was yeah. more so upset with that aspect than I was that it didn't work out. And it's okay. true. Like, I love my partner to the moon and back. And like, we're both very difficult. We're both fickle bitches. You know, like, by no <laughs> means is it like daisies and roses and we're skipping down the street all the time. It's like, but yeah. when you can just show up authentically and like, ask the questions that you want to ask and feel at the very least like I'm not talking about like like we talked about I'm not talking about like showing bad behavior you know like I don't know you that's saying you if you don't you like if you don't uh, handle me at my worst you don't deserve me at my best and it's like oh
0: I talk about it all the time I'm like no 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 it's like how about you fucking
1: manage your emotions it's like how about you learn how to be an adult (laughs) and like no what if you're being toxic or so you expect someone to put up with your bullshit for what? <laughs> For what? I'm sorry. Here's what we forget. Mom and dad, unconditional love. That is your parents. You can't do, you can't undo that. I can't change that if I tried on the fucking planet. Mm. DNA is what it is. But a relationship by nature, is conditional. It is because yes. I'm loving you based on the agree. It's like a Jared Fried's a comedian I like, and he always talks about the contract renegotiation of da- that's what dating is, and it's true. It's yeah. like if I send you back the contract and you sign, that's what I've agreed to. So if I all of a sudden yes. morph into something, to, it's like that, that. That's not the that's not the agreement that we came into. I love that. That's so true.
0: Okay, I've got so many questions that people have sent in and I actually asked a whole, like all these questions for different topics, but the one that was overwhelming was the one around, so the question I asked was, what are your questions around attachment theory and dating and attachment styles and all of that? And there were so many <laughs> questions. So one person said, this is slightly different to the actual attachment theory, but it's why do I get so attached after the first good date? And I hear this a lot. People have one brilliant date and they, can't, they fixate and that's it. They can't, they can't get it out of their mind. And even people have one
1: date and then it's talking for a few weeks and then it fizzles out. They can't get over it. So limerence, like if we were going to put it in one word, it's like, it's literally that. And it's really just what ends up happening is like, oh, God, I could strip this back. So let's go. So when we're talking about attachment theory in general, it's like, let's just give some overarching. There are... There is the secure attachment and then there's like three, obviously now it's like everything else. There's like 500 iterations and it is a spectrum, but the three major anxious, avoidant, disorganized. So it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, there is the amalgamations of each, but on the aggregate, those are the three main ones. An avoidant, low sense of others, high sense of self. So that's why avoidants can feel very suffocated. They need their space. They retreat or they're a little bit more introverted, like they're just more to themselves. Very, very career driven, very career oriented because they grew up in a multitude of ways, but pretty much to them, emotionally aren't safe. If they show an emotion, mm-hmm. they could have gotten hurt or they could have been abandoned. They're ultimately, them. any of the insecure attachments are all terrified of abandonment and rejection. And for the avoidant, they don't want anyone to see them in a light. Often perfectionism is less than they see themselves. So I get accolades when I perform perfectly. So I always have to be perfect. That's why the avoidance mm-hmm. will always, that's why they're so quick to say, I don't like the way she parts her hair. I'm out. They'll find a reason, Mm -hmm. a thousand of them, because it's easier than becoming vulnerable. It's like these icks that people get. Exactly. The icks are a way to keep yourself safe, essentially. Mm -hmm. And it's like when we look at it, especially if it's like he has a Velcro wallet, you're like, get the fuck over it. Versus... (laughs) Then we go anxious <laughs> attacher, and this is kind of more so what your girl is writing in or they are writing in, and this is who I mm-hmm. used to be. The anxious attachers are usually the ones that fall for lim- limerence a lot harder. They are low sense of self, high sense of others. So an anxious attacher, hi, nice to meet you. That's me. Hyper vigilance. We are so scared of either being abandoned, being left, somebody walking out. I had my dad all of my life. You never, it was walking on landmines. You never knew when he was going to explode. You never knew when he was going to scream, when he was going to yell, when he was going to hit you, when he was going to walk out. Mm. Then I had my mother, no boundaries, people pleasing. So the anxiety that was in me was, I'm always going to get left. Someone's always going to leave me. There's no one to take care of me. I have to do a, I have to get you to say everything's okay. Then I'm okay. So the anxious mm-hmm. person's constantly needing for reassurance. So typically speak, and then you have the disorganized, which is the amalgamation. They want the love, they remove themselves, low sense of self, low sense of others. But those, that one's a little bit less than we hear the anxious and avoidant more often than not. So when yeah. somebody is, why do I get so attached after one date? It's like, because one, you're attaching to the idea of somebody. You're creating castles in the the sky because of this fantasy that you are building. When you are self-abandoning so hard, when you don't understand what are your triggers, where do your traumas lie, where did you learn this behavior from? Then what happens is you perceive everybody through the lens of a child. And when you haven't done the inner child work to really go back and reparent that you and really grow the fuck up from that place of the core wound, then what happens is either one, as we talked about on the podcast, the amygdala starts to come in saying, safety, we Mm got to keep them safe. Nervous system is dysregulated. Oh my God. And it's the very... I want to be saved. And so oftentimes yeah. with limerence, we get this obsession. I hear it every day. Why am I so obsessed? It's like because you've built this person to be something. You have no idea who this person is. You've ne- you've spent one evening with them. You have may have texted because you created a version of who you want them to be, and now you're attaching to that. And now you've told your nervous system, I'm only safe if I have them. So your nervous system is going to feel dysregulated until you get their reassurance. But how you combat that is by doing the ch- inner child work to say, where did I learn that from? who taught me this behavior? Oh, I saw that when I was a kid because my mom used to act like this to my dad. And I learned I had to be quiet because of that. Because if I opened my mouth, I got hit. We have mm-hmm. to really understand. So that mm-hmm. way then you can learn to support yourself. And in those moments say, what's going on? Okay. I don't know this person. I need to act like the adult that's sitting here and not a six-year-old that's attaching to somebody because I'm so terrified of being abandoned. When you don't get abandoned in your adulthood, you're not dating your mom or dad. Oh, I know. i like, this is great. Hopefully that <laughs> answered that.
0: That's Okay, here's one that I love because I talk a lot about boundary setting and I'd love to get your input on this. How do you set boundaries with an anxiously attached person that
1: you are seeing? So, great question. Boundaries, I fucking love boundaries so much. My God, boundaries are what set me free. I love telling people no. Oh, right. Right? Don't you love Mm. telling somebody, sorry, I can't make it, I'm busy? You're just like, that's it. That's it. Yeah. Without where am I, what am I doing? No, no, it's just... I can't I don't know I'm you sorry. an explanation. So I'll give you the best. Ba- so here's the thing. We have to remember two things, boundaries as we as hopefully we all know, but as you and I know, boundaries don't mm. keep people out. They protect what's in. So if I'm yeah. setting a boundary, it's not – so like let's say for this person, I'm you're dating somebody that's more anxious. So they need that constant reassurance and they're probably texting a ton and they want to da, da 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 It feels – the anxious attacher has villainized – well, actually everybody has villainized the avoidant and made them just the worst fucking human. It's not. It, both people – both are emotionally unavailable. Anxious are avoidant and avoidants are anxious. So everybody has it. It's just – and how it's mm-hmm. manifested is different. So – The one thing that we have to remember is setting the boundary doesn't mean that the other person's necessarily going to listen. Setting the boundary means you are letting them know where to find you on the map. And if they're willing to, they will come. And if they have the bandwidth, they will. Otherwise, that's that. So if you let somebody know, like my partner did this. When we first started dating, I was trying to text and we had a conversation one night. And he just instantly went, I'm going to stop you right here this is not a sign of my disinterest. I actually really like you, but I I am in tech. I'm on my computer for nine hours a day. The last thing I want to do is now engage in a digital relationship on a small mini computer mm-hmm. in my hand. I can't wait to see you this week. If that doesn't work for you, I understand. But if so, I'd love to continue to get to know you in person. Yeah. And he said, I asked him, he's like, I've had anxious girls rage me and scream at me and fuck you. I want my text. And he's like, that's cool. We're not right for each other. When I mm-hmm. heard that, I was mm-hmm. like, Uh, first thing I heard was, that is the hottest boundary I've ever heard. And I was like, you know what? And that's when I started to challenge and start to understand the texting behavior and allowed, because with the anxious attacher, the anxious person doesn't want to give time. Time is the scariest thing because time means that you could be abandoned and I need to know what happens. And I can't, I can't even sit still unless I know that you're not going to leave me. And they need to learn how to self-soothe. So what you're essentially telling yeah. them is, "Hey, I need you to fucking give me a minute so that we can grow closer, but for that I need you to learn how to sit with yourself." Totally. That person might not be able to do it. And if that's the case, that's okay for you to walk away from something because you don't need to be someone's reassurance machine. You're not there to validate them every 5 fucking seconds. And if they can't respect a boundary you're setting, then they're not for you. That's that. It's so true. And I think so many people get caught up being like, "But I can
0: change it and I can and I this and I that." Obviously, you can't change anyone. And and If you don't see the willingness to meet you halfway, then it's going to get really complicated, I think, because then you end up Giving more slack, giving more slack, giving more slack until it gets to a point where you're like, I can't do this anymore. But now I feel like the mean one, ripping the rug, being like, I can't do this. And after I've given, 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 and met you at where you are, not halfway.
1: 100. So well, because like the thing with anxious attachers is like, listen, I can have compassion like anybody else. Like I, my heart goes out to it, but it's not an excuse for this behavior. It's not an excuse Mm. to like hi, I was me, to text somebody like a hundred times in a day because you didn't get an answer back. Like that's not okay. Mm. It's not okay to sit home and literally have a panic attack because you went on one date and the guy didn't text you. Like what happened is because you're so living in that trauma space, you don't even understand. And it's like, I get that, but it is not my partner's job to heal that part. That is my work. And when I met my partner- we both are on our journey. I have my shit. He has his, but it's like, it can't, you you can set boundaries and work on your stuff separately and together, but it can't be the other. It can't be 80% one person and 20% the other. Like we can't do the work for other
0: people. I know. It's so true. And I said that when you're doing the work on yourself, just miraculously, all the bad relationships drop away and all the good ones just get better because everything is ultimately, and how you set boundaries, it comes down to your relationship with yourself, really. Now, question, can someone truly go from being anxious
1: to secure? Hi, nice to meet you. That's me. Yes, you fucking can. Now, here is the caveat with that. You will never be 100% secure. You will never get rid of all the anxiety. It's not physically possible. I have 33 fucking years of embedded and ingrained behavior, generational trauma, Mm -hmm. anxiety in my family. Literally, if you met my mother, you'd understand where anxiety comes from. Like, it's, there are certain components that, like, I'm never going to just get rid of it. But what I do have are the tools to handle it. And what I do have are the tools to be able to self-regulate and bring myself back to now and actually address, is there a real threat or have I perceived this and projected on it? And we, we kind of spoke about
0: this in, in the episode on your podcast, but anxiety also is a real feeling that's felt by everyone. So I consider myself to be secure attached, but i it's not like I don't experience anxiety and it's not like I didn't in the dating scene, but it's nice. this like, Oh, wow, I'm feeling a bit anxious here. Why is that identified being like, yeah, okay, that makes sense. Okay, it's fine. You know, oh, yeah. so you kind of talk yourself down off the ledge, but it's, yeah, it, I think if you think that secure attachment is never feeling anxious, then it's this unachievable standard because even the secure attached people experience these emotions. It's just,
1: it doesn't. It doesn't take over their life. And and truly, who is somebody secure? What really at the end of the day, they don't internalize and take it personally. Like when my partner, yeah. I don't know about you, but like I'm sure you can relate. I used to, when my partner, like oh, back in the day before my current partner, when I was really insecure, let's say I'd say, hey, do you guys want to do No. Someone said no to me, I would just <laughs> shut down. I would act like a child. I would go in as if my mm. dad just reprimanded me. Whereas now yeah. my partner said no and I stopped and I literally was like, Okay, what's coming up for you? Where is this? Okay, this is reminding you of dad. It's okay. And I said, mm-hmm. "All right, babe." And he just looked at me. He goes, "I'm so sorry. That was really that was really dickish of me. What I meant was this." And he could read just even yeah. reading it on my face. But he saw me and he was like, "You were processing, weren't you?" And I was like, "He, we just know each other so well at this point." Yeah. But the point is, is like what it means is I didn't choose violence that day. Like the same trigger triggered me, but instead of reacting, I took a speed bump and I responded. That is what doing the work teaches you. And that's how you can be. I'm secure in my relationship. I'm not worried my partner's gonna leave me. I'm not per- worried I'm gonna be abandoned. Like, yeah. And if you don't do the work on yourself, you won't get there because you can be in a relationship, like I know I was. I used to be in relationships, even anxiously attached, and I was still never fulfilled. It wasn't about having a body next to me; it's about having the right person that makes you feel seen, heard, and understood. That is your support system mm-hmm. that can be next to you. That is also how you'll be able to heal through this shit. So true. I do. Can I ask you a question? When you, because I know you had your you had your big breakup, and I love it. This is what, this is how you know two people have podcasts when we're like, let me ask you something now. <laughs> so, I love it. When you're going through after your breakup, Before you met your current partner, like Mm -hmm. the growth that you had alone versus in the relationship. Can you attest to the amen that like there is a difference between the growth you're going to have when you're single versus the growth you're going to have uh, yeah. when you meet somebody? Oh,
0: yeah, yeah. It's And it's completely different because mm-hmm. when you are completely alone, you only have really one person to account for. It's just you. There's no, oh, but it's because of this. It's because of, all the excuses about interacting with other people go out the window and it's really, it strips it back to yourself. And I... So the two, so I had a breakup with a really lovely, healthy person, which I was devastated, and then I had a breakup with a, like a legitimate textbook narcissist, who was like engaged to someone like two weeks after we broke up. It was fucking wild ride, good times. But the point is that for both of them, there was different work that had to be done because I I had like a different experience, and I actively did my best to not date anyone on purpose. I wasn't going on dates for probably like two years before I met Tyrone. Not saying that people have to take a two-year hiatus from dating, but I was kind of like yeah. I just want to love being alone. I want to love being alone because if I can love being alone, then I've set the minimum standard and if I date someone, it's because it enriches my life mm-hmm. and I hopefully enrich their life. But if it's not working for me, the worst-case scenario is this great situation of me being single. I wanted to find a position that that being alone would be my alternative and that I loved the alternative because I was caught in a relationship where the thought of being alone terrified me. Yeah, And so, and also the relationship caused a lot of like my self-worth went down a lot. Like there was a lot that went down in it that by the end of it, the thought of being single and alone, I couldn't fathom. It like freaked me out. I would panic. And so any hint of him pulling away, I'd be like crawling back, crawling back. It was just uh, like you can't compare who I was then to who I am now and I thought I never want that again I never want that again if I'm in an unhealthy relationship I want
1: to be in a position where I can walk away because yeah. I like the alternative 100% my mama always used to say you got to love yourself more than the need to be loved by others and that's not so saying true. oh you know like people are like I don't have to love myself first. I'm like no 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 what I'm saying is you can't want other people's validation more than you want your own. You have to love yourself totally. more than the need for others. And I'm the same. When I went after my ex, I was like single. Like, and it's funny. Every ex prior to that, yes, I struggled. Like, or actually, I was okay. Like, after a couple of days, you're back out there. My big ex, mm. I mean, the narcissist, I was married. It was like a huge thing. That one, I took like six months to even date again. Like, I had my my sister connected me to one guy, and it was like that. But to get back out there, it took like six eight months. Yeah. And I was kind of in that same vein where I was like, I want to be okay with my day-to-day before I put myself back out there. And I think the reason that it worked wasn't because I least expected it. It was because I released control of the outcome. I showed up being like, hey, Mm. if this works, great. Like, my partner and I are the quintessential, like, 2023 couple. We met on a dating app. We fucked on the first date. And I left thinking I'm never going to see this guy again. I love that. You know what I mean? I love like, that. I love We're that. At the yeah. start of so many shitty stories. And the reason it worked mm-hmm. wasn't because I was suffering it. It was because when I went home, I was like, but I'm okay by myself because I love myself authentically. That if this works mm-hmm. out great, I am ready to welcome and receive somebody. And if it doesn't, that's okay. I am wel- I am here and welcome to receive myself again. And I think when you yeah. pick you, you don't self-abandon no matter what. They're an addition to your life, not instead of. And I feel that it also provides a really nice
0: space for the other person to really decide how they feel about the relationship. Sometimes if you're bombarded, you don't even mean to, but you can bombard this person and it doesn't allow them to get to know you at like a a healthy pace. Exactly. And so then they're a bit overwhelmed. They might leap into it too quickly because you're, and then before you know it, it's kind of like they're pulling the brakes being like, well, this is, I can't do this. I kind of went faster than I thought I'd. Wanted to. 100%. Okay, next question. I feel like there are plenty of fish in the sea, but no one comes to me except the toxic ones.
1: How do you address that mindset? <sighs> that sounds like a victim mode right there. That sounds like a very mo- – yeah. I that sounds very life is happening to me, not for me. Now, if mm. there's a pattern – like, first of all, let's talk about a couple of things. I'm assuming that this person's meeting people on dating apps because it's like, what do you mean, the only people that like, come to me? So it's like either – If you're being introduced to people, listen, if you're meeting somebody out in the wild, there is no way that by saying, hi, how are you, you're going to be able to address if this person is toxic. How you address Mm -hmm. that is when you date them and and you start to see them. Same with online dating. When you don't – if we start to see a pattern of like, I only get the toxics ones, it's like – one, who are the people that you're matching with? Are you trying to diversify? Like, I didn't meet my partner because I went for the same cookie-cutter guy over and over and over again. It's because I went for somebody that was different. I looked for a profile that had depth to it, had pro- proper photos that when he messaged me, it was a paragraph. He was asking questions. He didn't make any comments about my body or my it, my looks. He was mm. genuine. He was consistent. He was reciprocal. Like We were looking out for that behavior. The second I mm. see contrary, I walk the fuck away. So that's what I mean, victim yeah. mode. So if it's just, I just keep meeting toxic people. It's like, then how are you showing up? What are you allowing? Are you asking questions of depth on the first date to weed out if these people are, are, are jack-o'-lanterns and just trying to fuck you on the first date? Mm-hmm. Are you regulating your nervous system after the date to see how they show up? Are they contacting you consistently? Are you guys going two times one to two times a week? Is this person texting, calling, and FaceTiming you, not just texting you all day? Do you have healthy yeah. communication? Are you able to set boundaries and see how this person reacts? Do you have conflict and resolution? Yeah. Then that's when I want to say, okay, if you consistently keep allowing the wrong people into your life because it's not that they just keep entering, we allow that, well, then it's Mm. we need to tighten up those boundaries because now we need to start weeding those people out. And there's also the other element of – welcome to dating. You're going to have it where you're going to meet schmo after schmo after schmo because there is a plethora of that. But it's not about blaming the apps or blaming the other people. It's about becoming a better buyer. And that's where we take control as daters of what we have in control is I'm not asking if you're choosing me. I am deciding if I'm choosing you as well. And if somebody is toxic, I'm going to probably see that by, are they love bombing me? Are they being inconsistent? Are they breadcrumbing me? It's like, I think people misunderstand. It doesn't take that long to start to see someone's consistency or not.
0: I also feel like a lot of people will label someone as boring really, really quickly. Mm -hmm. And so what are you looking for? Because we've got this like treat them mean, keep them. There's a lot of like um, belief patterns that are like sewn into our culture, I think. Oh, yeah. Of... Even as kids, oh, if if he hits you, it's because he likes you, that bullshit. Yeah. And so you then grow up being like, oh, I need some, I need some some spice in this. It needs to be exciting. And we confuse toxic behavior, someone ignoring you, someone kind of being a little bit like a bit of an orbital ghost star. We confuse that for, oh, well, this is exciting. I'm on edge. I don't feel calm. I'm like <gasps> the highs and the lows and all of that. And the butterflies come from anxiety yeah. because. You're just focusing on the fact that they haven't messaged you and finally they do. That's anxiety. That's like, oh, my God, I'm excited. They finally messaged me. So then when someone's consistent and stable and whatever, you're like, boring. Are they boring? Or are you just looking for spikes of
1: excitement? And then when someone doesn't provide that, you think, oh, no, 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 no. Not interested. Oh, I hear the healthy equals boring every time. And I'm like, oh, is that just your nervous system is calm? Is it just because you didn't have a spark? A spark is just a feeling. A feeling goes away. And if you're chasing mm. a feeling, well, then that's why you're going to be perpetually chasing a feeling. Because the reality is mm. like, you have a partner, I have a partner. It's I don't get the highs and lows. I'm consistent with my partner. I feel good. Every morning yeah. I wake up to the same person I go to bed to. I love him. I'm happy. I get excited. I get sad. I feel emotions. But I'm not on a roller coaster versus when I would date the emotionally unavailable guys. Oh my God. I hear it all the time. Girls will say, when I'm with him, everything's amazing. But when I'm not, it's like, no, you're, when you're with him, you're so focused on the fact that he's choosing you because you never get to really see this person that you're overlooking mm. how you actually feel. Because if you really started to tap in, once you start to sit, it's like, oh yeah, I actually kind of feel a little anxious because I don't know when I'm going to see them again. Yeah, exactly. Cause they're not consistent. Versus when you have yeah. someone, what we also have to remember is... Those people reaffirm your core beliefs. You are not good enough. You are not worthy. You are not deserving. So that when you meet somebody that – that was my problem. When I met my partner receiving love, I was like, what do you mean you like me? What do you mean you want to be with me? What do you mean you accept me for who I am? And I was like, you mean I have to admit I'm not fucked up and that there's nothing wrong with me? That it's not me that I – you see what I'm saying? It's like, I have to yeah. now say, holy shit, I am deserving. I am worthy of this. I'm ready to receive it. That in and of itself could take you a long time of work to be able to do. And so I, that's why I'm saying yeah. like, if you're telling me that you always date toxic guys, it's like, yeah, cause you're obviously entertaining the wrong fucking people here. It's like, mm. it, that's what I mean. Yeah. If you're going on dates and you're like, oh, that guy's not that interesting. It's like, Yeah, because passion and, like, a true ride or die doesn't happen overnight. That person that you trust, that you love, that gets you, that can, I can look at my partner and we just already know, like, we can finish the sentence. (laughs) Yeah. That type comes because you spend time with this person. You go through shit. You have conflict resolution. You go through issues. Not because you guys got drunk, had a really great time on the first date, and all of a sudden you can't stop thinking of them. Anxious people really try to expedite the stages of a relationship quicker than they need to be because they can't mm-hmm. sit in the uncertainty and going slow yeah. is the arch nemesis. That is the number one muscle we need to flex. How often do you hear someone say, you know, the, the person they ended
0: up marrying is so far from their type All because the, the type wasn't working for you. And if if the type, if you had a type and you had multiple encounters with someone of that type, there's a pattern here and it's not working for you. So then you end up marrying someone that's totally different and it works it's simple math, you know. 100%. Same as, you know, for me as well. Yeah. Like Tyrone's so different to everyone else I dated because it's just calm.
1: Like he's exciting, but our relationship is calm all the time. 100%. Like I had one – I did a video about like some, about the spark and just saying like mm. I didn't feel a spark with my partner. Like I actually took me like four months to decide I wanted to be with him. Like that to me is more real life <laughs> because like and yeah. realistically he liked me more than I liked him and that's why it worked because I was – working on letting my guard down and working. And mm-hmm. he was super into me. And he was very consistent and reciprocal and allowed me the comfort, which we both allowed. And a girl wrote on, like, comment saying, uh, this is such bullshit. I know three people that have been married and they all said that they knew immediately and that they fell in love and blah, blah, blah. And they talk to their person every single day and they're happy. So sorry it took you so long to realize you even like your partner, but that's not how life works. What? So I couldn't have, and she's like on a TV, like a trashy TV show. So I was like, oh, excuse me for not taking this as gossip. But I had to ask her, I said, let me ask you, what's the depth to these people's relationships? Are they they actually secure? Are they fulfilled in their marriage? When you go over, do you look and say, wow, this is beautiful? Or are you looking and watching the Mm. fucking husband walking out while he leaves his girlfriend crying on the table because she opened her mouth to him? Those in glass Mm. houses shall not throw stones. And what we also need to remember is everybody works differently because you do something doesn't mean I do it that way. And this expectation of, well, I text him, it takes 10 seconds to get a text back. It's like, no bitch, that's called your fucking anxiety because you're not getting your way and that's protest behavior. Sit your ass down and learn to sit in discomfort. And if you know that someone's the one the
0: day you meet them, they're not the one because you knew it straight away. That's just like an added bonus that you found out sooner, but it, it it doesn't work because you knew straight away because you didn't actually know them at that point. You just had a moment that's like, this is the one. And then it's just out of chance that they actually ended up being the one. How many people feel that way? How many times have I felt that way? Being like, this is my person. And it absolutely was not my person. By a long mile was not my person.
1: The last time I said that, I ended up in therapy at, and married to a narcissist. So I <laughs> stopped saying <laughs> shit like yeah. that because it's true. Like I, I would meet guys in LA that you're, they're almost intoxicating. Like I, I remember some of these dates mm. I would go on, and here's the funniest story. Short, sure. but I dated this guy, and this was I had I had my dad was part of my my software business. Like he had given me the money to start it, and I was paying him back, and so I was beholden to him. So that was exacerbating my anxious attachment because. That's the relationship that caused it. Mm. And January of 2022, I told my dad to fuck off. I was done. Because he had he had spoken inappropriately to me, and I just said, okay, fine. I'm done. I'm done. And so that's when I realized, like, holy shit, the person I've been scared to be abandoned from, I stood up to the bully. So I started to trust myself more. Shortly thereafter, I met this guy. Everything I ever could have wanted. Like, Everything. I mean, looks wise. Career drove the Range Rover Sport. Had the, you know, took the private jet over. Was mm-hmm. taking me to the five hundred dollars dinners every night. Makeouts were like. It was, in, it was like you literally can't sit still because the heat is radiating off of you. Yeah. And I told him, I'm not sleeping with you. That's it. I'm not sleeping with you. I'm going to do this right. And I'm going to make you wait. So, of course, I gamified it for him. So, of course, he was going to continue. We And so he had lived in Miami and I was in L.A. And he says, no, no, I'm here every month. I work and okay, fine. So I knew he was there a lot. i looked on his Instagram. He had been in L.A. tons. Fine. We went out to dinner. It was one date led to two, led to three, led to four. Oh, my God, the feeling. And when he left the night before he left, like, this was the first red flag. We were driving to dinner. And then he tells me, I said, Oh, are you coming out with us after? And he goes, Oh, by the way, I'm flying home tonight. And I was like, What? Why didn't you, like, when were Mm. you going to tell me? And then I was like, All right, so wait, like, can we have a conversation? Like, what are we doing? Are we going to continue this? Like, we've had a great five days. Are we going to keep going? And he was like, Absolutely. I want to fly you out to Miami. Like, blah, blah, fine. Gets back. The texting is all adorable. It's me. It's your man. And he's sending me photos. This is where you're going to be staying. And I can't wait for you to come visit. Here's the view for when you're doing work. Great. Then, of course, three weeks go by. The the dude went from, t- you know, t- emotionally unavailable. Like, it started to get worse, worse, and worse as I started to be like, hey, you know, like, I would – we didn't speak for, like, five days. Or he would text me in the mornings, and I'd, be, I'd call him. After the call, he'd be like, this was so much fun. Why aren't we doing more of these? And I was like, I don't know, dude. You don't call me. Like, just pick mm. up the phone. It got to the point where – the feeling that I had been so into, this is my type, by the time he was about to come, I had sent—I pretty much told him, like, you're about to come and stay with me. I haven't spoken to you in, like, four days. This has been, like, almost a month later. I was like, I, I, I don't feel comfortable with this. Like, what is going on? And he leaves me a voice note baby girl, relax. You need to chill. Like go live your life. Like I'm living mine. I'm out with my boys right now. Like very condescending. And it was just very like, go fuck yourself. Didn't respond. (laughs) He finally, like, I I call him like three days later after I'd cooled down. Cause he kept texting and calling. And I was like, I'm not talking. Like a couple of days went by, we didn't talk. And then he calls me. And so we had a big talk and I was like, listen, if you're coming tomorrow, I'm setting some boundaries and some ground rules. He apologizes. You're right. I'm so sorry. I really want to make this work. The minute he shows up the next day, I could feel it. It was off. He was complaining about everything. Mm. Needless to say, we hook up. The sex is terrible. The passion is gone. That whole everything mm. is gone to the point where the next day he leaves. He, he says he gets a hotel that night saying he just needs some space. You get it, babe. I He showed up the next morning. I had a suitcase packed and I told him to get the fuck off my porch. Okay. Oh the reason of the story is to share. And he's crying on the balcony. No, I her on the porch. I'm sorry. You know I'm emotionally unavailable, how much I care about you. And I was like, I know it's not me and I get the fuck out of my face. We mm. reconnected about 10 months later, right before I met my partner. And I, I he asked me to dinner. And the minute we started talking, I just dropped my phone. And I was like, nothing has changed. No, thank you. And the reason I bring this yeah. up is because the feeling from the beginning when I didn't know who mm. he was and he was charming and amazing. Ah. Oh. Oh my god, I I would that was it. Called my mom and I'll never forget my best friend was in town and when she met him, she looked me in the eyes and goes, "Either this is your future husband or you're getting fucking played." And I remember even yeah. looking at her and I was like, "I we both we both knew yeah. it. It was like something is up." And to this day, that's when I changed how I dated because I was so not scared about losing somebody that I was mm. like, "If you don't if you don't if I'm not satisfied in this, I don't need to be here." Because the feeling yeah. from the beginning was not the feeling in the end.
0: And the problem is that a lot of people will stay in an unhealthy relationship because they're clinging to that feeling they experienced at the beginning, which was like this one version of that person. And then you see the other sides to this person, which is inevitable when you're dating. They're saying sides are for you, sides that you love and sides that you might not. But that's dating and that's a relationship. But you'll be like, but this version I want that version back. So I'll stay in the hope that there'll be, you know, and that's what love bombers do. That's what obviously narcissists do, which I've spoken a lot about. But I've stayed a lot longer than I've wanted to because I've clung to the early days being like, but this exists. It can come
1: back. hundred yeah. percent. Or some <laughs> cost bias. I've been in this for 10 months. I don't want to be alone. Yeah. Scarcity mindset. It's like it all starts exactly. to compound.
0: Exactly. But I
1: just, I was like, yeah. I just hope anybody chasing a feeling or a spark will learn from this and be like, you know what? Let me get, I'm not saying if you're not attracted to the person and you don't want them to touch to date them, obviously don't do that. But like, if Mm. you don't feel a spark, but you think the person's nice and you had a good time or you enjoyed the conversation, give the person another fucking date. Yeah,
0: totally. Give them a chance. Couldn't agree more. Okay. We've got time for one final question. Game on. This one without getting too, because this could become deep, but without, with kind of just touching on the surface of this one because I've experienced this too. Can we discuss men attached to their moms
1: or parents in general? This has been a real issue. Yeah. Yeah, anytime. <laughs> okay, so one thing as we know narcissists attached to their mothers, like they're usually the moms are the issue. Mm-hmm. If I meet anybody with an unhealthy attachment to their parent, it's just instantly for me I'm like it's not going to work. That's just a personal mm. thing. The psychology And of- what do you what do you deem an unhealthy attachment? I think if there's not boundary set like if a mother mm-hmm. can come over anytime. Like I dated a guy that his mom walked in while we were in bed, and it's like that's not fucking okay. Like this is your house. That's unacceptable. It's unacceptable. Yeah. Your mother calling a thousand times. Like I had another guy that he it was in the middle of our date answer the phone for his mom. It's just certain things where you're like, when there's not boundaries present with a family member, that's when you know you're only setting yourself up for disaster. Because let's be realistic, mama ain't gonna be happy someone's replacing her, and mama ain't gonna be yeah. happy with some hussy replacing her that's not her. Mm. Not with my son, you don't. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So it's like. I would be personally, yeah, I, I don't date people that have any kind of like, you know, the, uh, me and my sister are obsessed. We, we, we spend 24-7. I'm like, yeah, that's not healthy. That's codependency. It's not healthy. It's not. And I
0: think people mistake being in someone else's presence 24-7 for emotional closeness. Physical proximity does not equal being emotionally close to someone. I know I know people that are so, f- like they hang out with certain relatives all the time, but when, mm-hmm. when they have a crisis, they're not going to that person. No. They're going to their friend. And it's like, so how close are you actually with this person? You know, because you could be so close to someone and only see them once a month because you have really great communication styles, you know?
1: Yeah. I would just if, if you're dating somebody and they're like that close to their mom, it's like, well, get ready to be in a relationship with three people probably because like I was in there. I was my ex and his mom and it was like she was texting me and she was calling me and she we would have a fight. He would leave the house. She would call and yell at me and then I would get mm. bitched at and then he would come and he would call my mom and try to pin everybody against me. <laughs> no. Yeah. No, never. Now we have boundaries. Your mother is not allowed to contact me about our relationship unless we've talked about it. Yeah.
0: So basically if you're in a position or if someone's in a position where this is happening, I, like, yeah, you're not here to change it. No. It's kind of, you know, yeah. you
1: got to accept them for who they are, but then you also have to see what, how is that impacting you? And I think a lot of people, especially in the dating world now forget how much power we have within ourselves. And we're so focused mm. on, but they're doing this, but they did this, but they chose this. It's like, but what about what you want, need, and desire? How is this forming in your body? How is this sitting? Because if it's not making you feel good and you feel uncomfortable, well, I don't care how much you like this person. Sometimes it's not enough. That's not compatibility. Totally. Thank you so much for everything. I loved this conversation.
0: I'm going to have to get you back on to talk about so many other topics because that was unbelievable. I'm sure the listeners loved it. Could you please give yourself a plug, your TikTok, your, everything you do, your clothing brand? Totally. Let them know where to find you.
1: Yeah, we're going to do, I was going to say, actually, when you were off mine, I was like, fuck it, I didn't have to ask her about this, this. I'm like, let's just do a part, we'll do a part two again. So We I, need a part two on both ends. Of course. So we'll we'll get that. But so it's Sabrina.Zohar on TikTok and Instagram. Uh, software is wheresoftware.com. And Do the Work is Do the Work podcast on Insta and Do the Work on Spotify and all that bullshit wherever you find your podcast. Amazing. Thank you so much. That was incredible. And yeah, I really appreciate your
0: time. That was awesome.
1: Thanks, man. I appreciate it.
0: Listener.